1: Today's show is a part two to my fantastic interview with Ann Lindsay last week. We went on for so long that I felt I needed to make this into a super show. And I hope you will tune in today and enjoy listening to some of the great conversation we have. We cover compassion fatigue, talk more about how to start a coalition, some of the challenges with regards to building a coalition. So please enjoy part two with my show with Ann Lindsay who's president of the Massachusetts Animal Coalition. And thanks again for tuning in to the Community Cats Podcast.
2: As we're talking here about looking back over the history of of MAC um, and all that has been done, would you be able to point to uh, a greatest achievement? And also, what has been your greatest challenge?
0: I just think the the greatest achievement is just being able to get so many different people together with different opinions into one organization. I think that's been rewarding but also and challenging. But I, I think that seeing people who might not normally be together, seeing them all in one room willing to learn and share is really gratifying. With that, that's getting – that's our educational meetings. We now have three a year. Actually, this year we're having a special one. We have one meeting which is called Hot Topics, which involves dog and cat issues, so that it's – you know, we, we want dog and cat people there. We have another one called All About Dogs, which is obviously about dog issues. And then the third one each year is the Whole Cat Workshop, which you've been very actively involved in, Stacey. And that's a full day of community cat discussions, trainings, presentations. It's amazing. And then this year in September we're having another one which is just a special one off and we may do it again sometime if people like it but it's a it's going to be the business of running an animal welfare organization and the reason is that we are very aware of the fact that there are lots of people who are doing this work by the skin of their teeth and maybe they're not doing their filings at the appropriate time maybe they don't have a very tight mission statement maybe they don't even know a mission statement is. Maybe they don't even have one. So we thought that if we could put together a full day of different speakers talking about the business of running a rescue or a shelter that it it would hopefully draw some people who might be able to learn something and take it back to their
2: organization. I think coming down the road, looking at our organizations, there's going to be a lot more mergers going on and also closing down of organizations. I mean, I've seen several organizations that were started in 2025 years ago by usually a small group in general, I We'll say, probably women, and you know, they're all getting kind of old now, and they haven't yep. done any succession planning, and so they're having to learn how to close down a nonprofit, too.
0: Which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that merging and closing down, or saying to yourself, mission accomplished, and I'm not needed anymore, is a very, very important part of this. And I will say about the challenges of running a coalition, as my husband says who runs um, an organization which is animal related he says it's all personalities politics and egos ppe and i with my mental health work as a background would add pathology so the people part of it is really challenging the other part of it that i would say is a challenge is not straying from the mission and it's so tempting we all say yes so easily but It's really important to say no to um, many things that come your way because if it takes you away from what you're good at, you dilute what you're good at. You you are scrambled and distracted, and it doesn't ultimately do you any good or your organization any good, but it also detracts from what you can do for the animals.
2: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, There's a podcast that I listen to, and the person on the podcast is always ranting about his acronym FOCUS, Follow One Course Until Success. (laughs) <laughs> and he keeps repeating it over and over again. It's John Lee Dumas and his podcast mm-hmm. about podcasters or whatever. But it, it is a mantra that is good to say, and and definitely time management and being able to be focused and not always bouncing around to different things. And it's it's so easy to do. I mean, there's they also say there's lots of shiny objects out there, whether it's social That's media. Right.
0: Well and as you know, Stacy, we've had I mean, I'll make it up, the you know, donkey rescue, let's say, who writes to Mac and says, Will you send this out to your constituents and it's something about a bill at the state house or, or we have an event coming up. I mean your heart pulls at you because you wanna help those donkeys, let's say. But your brain Has to kick in and say, if we do that for donkeys, we're going to get tarantulas, and then we're, you know, and it's going to evolve into this place where everybody's going to say, well, you did it for them, but you won't do it for us. So, We have really had to keep our eye on the prize. And we have said for 18 years, once we're really good with dogs and cats and we're done with them, then we can look at other species. Well, guess what? It's been 18 years and we're still working it, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. And I don't know what the answer to that question is. When do you know you're done? That's a very uh, hot topic (laughs) these days, too. It
0: sure is. I think it's fascinating. And it will be interesting to see, you know, there are a lot of organizations that are starting up, and they're they're new. they are people who are maybe new to the field. And then you have the other extreme, which is the older groups, and they're kind of done maybe. And it's going to be interesting to see how many of the new ones stay around or merge or whatever. It's going to be an interesting future for us.
2: I think so, too. I, I think it's going to be very dynamic over the next five to ten years. I think we'll be changing the look of animal welfare potentially sheltering will change. I don't know if my my dream of having cat cafes all around as being the the central area for for cats will happen, but it certainly is a possibility.
0: People are trying.
2: (laughs) We are trying, definitely. (laughs) You know, you've mentioned a little bit earlier about how you've spoken with some folks uh, about potentially starting a coalition. You've done some advisory work with other communities and other organizations. In the next three to five minutes, if you had somebody sitting next to you and said, you know, Ann, I'd like to start a coalition. How would I do it? What would be Mm -hmm. your tips, your advice that you would give them on first steps to starting that organization?
0: I think the first thing would be to understand what it is you're trying to do. And that would be to create at least a loose draft of a mission. And there are different kinds of coalitions. So the broader MAC is a broader coalition with many committees and task forces and programs, and we have a general membership. And then there are other coalitions where the mission is much more narrow. And for example, they're the only program they run, and that's not only in a pejorative way, but is a spay neuter program, and that's it. They don't have meetings of, you know, large meetings of members. Like MAC has sometimes 120 m- people at a meeting, at a training meeting. So I think it's really important to understand that these coalitions can take on many shapes. And so you have to kind of figure out first what it, what you think it's going to look out. Then you choose your stakeholders, and that's to get input and get some direction and make it a small group, then expand to include anyone who works in volunteer or volunteers in animal welfare issues. And then you all as a group, hopefully with some sort of facilitator, you determine the direction of the coalition, and then you form a real mission statement based on all the information you've gathered from everyone and agreed upon. You create that mission statement, which is not carved in stone. It can be changed over and over again. And then you establish your Board of Directors, and then that group works on writing the Articles of Organization, which are required in Massachusetts, I don't know about other states, and your bylaws, which are required to register in Massachusetts. And then you work on your 501c3 IRS tax-free designation, which is a process, and so you're going to need a lawyer to help you probably. And then you start establishing the actual work that you're going to do, whether it's a task force or a committee or a program uh, to get the work done. And then, this is my mantra, tweak, tweak, tweak. Then you tweak like crazy for the rest of your life. And that's what we've been doing for 18 years. It's think you've got it and then you kind of reassess and say, you know what, this isn't working, we need to do this. It, we've really, you know, we've gone forward, we've stepped back, we've moved sideways. It's really about trying to look at it from all angles and keep things going in a positive way that doesn't detract from what you're trying to do and sticks to the mission that you really, really are focused on.
1: We're proud to be an affiliate of Space Kitty Express, makers of handmade, refillable catnip alternative cat toys. Think Valerian, Silver Vine, Honeysuckle, etc. for the discerning cat who wants to try something new or doesn't respond to catnip. You can even get 10% off your purchase at Space Kitty Express by using the code Community Cats at checkout. Help your kitty blast off today with some new toys from www.spacekittyexpress.com. Did you miss the 2018 online cat conference that we held in January? Or would you like to share some of the conference webinars with friends? You can now purchase the presentations and share them with colleagues and friends. Just visit our recordings page, which is under the resources tab, to access webinars from some of the leading personalities in feline welfare today. They're sure to give you and your cat-loving friends great ideas on ways to help even more cats. Check it out at www.communitycatspodcast.com. You know, it seems like a a daunting process But there
2: may be ways, too, that some of those early stakeholders, you know, they might let you, like MAC, let some organizations or some groups, you know, come in and do a task force and decide whether it becomes a program or whether it gets spun off, stand on its own two feet, that kind of thing. So um, I know in the early days, I think the MSPCA did a couple of supportive things for MAC before MAC got to a point where it was fully 501c3 that helped facilitate the license plate. So there were certain relationships that you can have with a, a nonprofit that's already established that might help make those early days a little bit easier
0: that's absolutely right and they were like our big brother or our big sister you know they just were there to be supportive and help out and and they were very much a part of the conversation and that was the cool thing too as i look back it wasn't just a bunch of small organizations that were all trying to work together it was everybody it was it was MSPCA which is a huge organization an animal rescue league another big older organization and then and then these small rescues and shelters that were very new and we didn't even know those people necessarily but it didn't matter because we were all in the same room rolling our sleeves up and getting down to business and the fact that the MSPCAs and the animal rescue leagues were involved was really a huge part of the successes of Mac because they helped set the stage and they had that institutional knowledge of the animal welfare field in general, but they also had that corporate more corporate I should say, more corporate kind of approach which was which was really helpful for people who were dreamers like me who didn't know how to do that. So everybody served a purpose. It was really a special time.
2: It was. It was fun back then, getting to know everybody and keeping it in touch is. with folks over the years. But And we're still in touch with folks. Oh, definitely, kind of
0: yeah. It's been been really a special time. So I feel like I can't believe at this stage that we are where we are. I never could have written the script, but it's um, it's worked out. And we still have lots of things to work on. We're not perfect. We never will be. But I think it's important for coalition people to also share with other groups what they've learned because why make the same mistakes if there's somebody who can explain to you why something won't work? That's the other part that we really are happy to help out with. Call us up, make a date to talk to us, and we can kind of walk you through what our process was and you may end up coming up with a completely different kind of model but that's okay it's not about finding a cl- making a clone of mac necessarily it's more about what is it that your area needs and how can we help you learn from our mistakes and from our successes
2: one thing that over the last 18 years that i know has become an incredibly important topic for you personally, has been the topic of compassion fatigue. Would you like to share with our listeners a little bit about what your area of interest is in that topic?
0: I went back to school to get my master's in counseling psychology. Uh, I think I graduated in 2010. I forget exactly. But I went back because I was watching the people who were doing this work, and I was seeing so much. Now I see I can call it trauma response, but in those days, I just thought everybody was incredibly annoying and dysfunctional. Not everybody, but many people were annoying and dysfunctional, and they were really getting in the way of group efforts to get things done for animals. And so I went back to school to try to figure out what that meant, what, who were these people and what was going on. And fundamentally, everybody was in it for the same reason, to save the animals, but sometimes our histories come with us. And if we have any kind of a background that was difficult, traumatic, shame-based, we might be people who maybe don't work so well in a group um, and maybe aren't as helpful to animals as we might want to be. And so I went back to school to try to understand what was going on so that I could hopefully come back into the animal welfare world with better knowledge and better appreciation and ultimately more compassion for the people who we might call, quote, difficult people. They're difficult because they're struggling with their own personal things in many cases. And it really helped me to understand that. As a result, I started doing compassion fatigue workshop for organizations in the hopes that those people who are struggling from this very difficult work, and it is, it's emotional, it's tough work, we all know that, that they would have a place to sit with their coworkers and learn about what this thing is called compassion fatigue. And there's more discussion now about compassion resilience, and there are lots of different ways of looking at compassion fatigue. It was really the hope was to get people to be able to see these Symptoms, and instead of saying, Oh my God, I'm sick, they would say, Oh, other people have this. This is just sort of part of doing this business, and it's also part of maybe my history that I'm bringing along into this field. And so the the workshops often involve people recognizing this and learning how to deal with it, which might mean going for some counseling, it might mean learning how to meditate, it might mean Getting out of the field completely. I had one woman who I saw her a couple of years after a workshop. How are you? I said. And she said, I'm great. I quit. <laughs> I said, mm-hmm. that wasn't the intent. And she said, no, I realized I needed to quit. And now I'm a crossing guard and I couldn't be happier, you know?
2: What's what she needed?
0: That's exactly right, and different people have different thresholds for emotional pain, and some of us really maybe shouldn't be in this field, or we should do it in a more limited way. Uh, Some of us get way too involved with everything to the point where we drive ourselves and others crazy, and to put a mirror up and look at ourselves and see what kind of harm we're causing to ourselves, to others, and also resulting in that to the animals. It's a responsible way of doing this work, and that's why I wanted to get into the compassion fatigue part of things because I think it's an important conversation, and nobody gets trained to do this work, the the, the emotional training part. We're, We're really going by the seat of our pants emotionally, and so trying to get people to look at that and take some responsibility is very important.
2: Uh, If people feel like they need help in that area, what would you recommend?
0: I would recommend first trying to have a conversation, whether it's mediated or not or facilitated or not, with your coworkers because it's important to name it. It's also important to see if the stresses – are affecting everyone or if it's just one or two people. And a lot of times there is the institutional stress that can factor into the emotional stress of doing the work and can add to it. And so if it's a broken organization that's doing harm, to the person or the people, that's got to be addressed. And there are a lot of those, sadly. There are a lot of them. And it's not intentional. It's not like people go to work every day and say, I'm going to go to work and stress everybody out and make their lives miserable. But it happens. And sometimes it's because we're not equipped to run an organization or we're not equipped to volunteer in the Place that we are and then uh, we're not emotionally equipped nobody's trained us on how to handle our emotions and so here we are trying to figure it out so having that talk with a bigger group and getting everybody to say aha would be really helpful and then once it's acknowledged, then figuring out what do you do. And it would probably be best to hire some sort of a mental health, probably a social worker, to come in and help. But I would advise that it be a social worker who understands the animal welfare world because a very nice, well-meaning therapist coming in and saying something like, well, why don't you just take a walk at lunchtime is not helpful. And I've heard that one. The other thing is to... To take time off, lessen your time at the shelter, to give yourself some breathing room, to get your own private mental health counseling, maybe to go to an AA meeting or an Al-Anon meeting if you have issues with any kind of substance abuse yourself or with your family. And self-care, taking care of yourself, making sure that you eat right, making sure that you exercise, making sure that you clear your brain so you're not carrying this stuff around. And also recognizing that the system is broken and that doesn't mean you have to to be broken as well. And so you can be a healthy animal caregiver,
2: but it takes a lot of work. Those are all great suggestions. Um, That being early fall, this is a time of year when many of us that are in this business, the business. The summer has worn us out. And so it's yeah. good, good, oh, good yeah. to, to take a step back and try and evaluate how things have been going. And like you, I would say, breathe. Make sure you breathe because it makes the world a very different place.
0: It sure does. And that perspective. And I think the other thing I would say, at least in New England and other parts of the country, when you look at where we are now, with euthanasia rates, with all sorts of things, with the, the, the developed programs we have for animals. When you compare how we are today in 2018 with 25 years ago and the wholesale euthanasia of animals and animal shelters, which I know happens still in parts of this country, but If you're fortunate enough to live in a place like Massachusetts, it's quite encouraging and it is profound what has been accomplished for animals. So the message is, it can be done. and. When I sit now and look back on 25 years ago, I just can't believe the difference. And I think that is a beacon of light for those who are really suffering and struggling in communities where things aren't great for animals. There is a way to fix it, and it takes a long time, and it takes smart strategic thinking, and it takes lots of emotional investment, but there are models out there for how it's been done. And I would say that you're not alone and that there are people who have done this work and who have formed coalitions and who have gotten some of this done and maybe, maybe you could learn from it.
2: So, Anne, if folks are interested in finding out more about MASS or reaching out to you with a question, how would they find you?
0: Probably the best thing would be the website, which is massanimalcoalition, M-A-S-S, animalcoalition.org. In closing, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I feel like we've covered a lot. I think, as we've said, this is difficult emotional work, and working together helps the humans and the animals. Working alone is isolating. It is lonely, and you can't get as much done as an individual as you can as a group of people. And I would also say that reaching out and asking questions asking us for some of our stuff would be a step and we're more than happy to share what we've
2: learned. And what an incredibly powerful conversation that we've had today. I really appreciate all that you have done for the cats and dogs and now bunny rabbits. And I know you (laughs) care about all the other animals that are out there. So thank you for everything that you have done for animals over all the years, and I want to thank you especially for agreeing to be a guest on my show. It's been great to catch up with you and to hear about the work of Mac and the work that you've done with Compassion Fatigue. It's all incredibly deep and powerful, and you've created the Mac magic, and I want to thank you again for that.
1: Thank you for listening to Community Cats Podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats.